0: In this episode, Dr. Marion Minervo brings us an original hypothesis about the constitution of the cruel superego, the one that, according to Freud, plants its roots in the Eid and is pure culture of death drive. In her hypothesis, the hatred with which the superego attacks the ego comes from the identification with unconscious micro-vows of death that originate in the paranoid core of the parental figure. She proposes a formula that helps us to recognize that these attacks have the function of defending the parental figure's narcissism. It's not me who, it's you who, and I hate you for that. Within an asymmetrical relationship with the adult, the child has no alternative but to accept these beta elements and identify with them. These identifications would then constitute the core of the cruel superego. In the original paper, she shows how this hypothesis about how the superego is constituted helps us in finding a way for its deconstruction. Marion Minerbo, MD, PhD, is a full member and training analyst at the Brazilian Psychoanalytic Society of Sao Paulo. She has published dozens of articles and the following books Conversations on Clinical Practice, New Conversations on Psychoanalytical Practice, Neurosis and Non Neuroses, Transference and Countertransference, A Posteriori, A Journey, all by Blucher Editorial, Sao Paulo, all of which published in Portuguese. In 2015, at the Brazilian Congress of Psychoanalysis, she received the main award for her paper entitled Contributions to a Theory of the Constitution of the Cruel Superego. I am Isabel Silveira with Talks on Psychoanalysis, the podcast devoted to current topics on psychoanalysis worldwide, featuring the voices of the original authors. This podcast series published by the IPA, is part of the activities of the IPA Communication Committee and is produced by the IPA Podcast Editorial Theme. Head of the Podcast Editorial Team is Gaetano Pellegrini, editing and post-production Massimiliano Guerrieri. To stay informed about the latest podcast releases, please sign up today.
1: Contributions for a theory of the constitution of the cruel superego. Every psychoanalyst knows how hard it is to work with suffering related to the attacks of the cruel superego against the ego. Feeling impotent and threatened in his narcissism, the analyst may act out his negative counter-transference, drawing the process to an impasse. The path towards analysis and towards the deconstruction of the cruel superego necessarily includes a theory of its constitution. The cruel superego attacks and disarrays the ego in three figures of psychoanalytical psychopathology. First, in melancholic suffering. The clash between superego and ego takes place in, in the intrapsychic level. I am a failure, a despicable being unworthy of love. Second, in paranoid functioning, the subject identifies himself with the superego and puts the other in the place of the ego, treating it with the same kind of cruelty with which the superego treats the ego in melancholia. You are evil, a despicable being, unworthy of my love. And third, in masochistic functioning, the subject summons the other to identify with the cruel superego and to slaughter the subject. I am guilty. I am evil and despicable. I deserve to be punished by you. In facing the challenges posed by the analysis of these patients, I could not find answers to the following questions in psychoanalytical literature. Why is the superego so hateful of the ego? Why is it so controlling and tyrannical What can't it tolerate in the ego? What is the trigger that sparks the superego, ferocity, against the ego? What does it demand from the ego? Why is it unable to empathize with its limitations and deficiencies? I would like, in this introduction, to provide the context to my hypothesis on the constitution of the cruel superego, rather than to review the literature on it. In Freud, we find two different renderings of the origin of the superego. On the one hand, it is presented as the part of the psyche which manages and legislates over desire and pleasure. As the heir of the Oedipus complex, it manifests itself in clinical practice as neurotic guilt. But... The superego also appears in melancholia as the result of the identification of the ego with the shadow of the object. It is rooted in the id and extracts its strength from the death drives. This superego, in Freud's words severe and cruel, has psychotic features. It does not criticize something the subject has done as the heir of the Oedipus complex. Instead, it attacks depreciates and destroys what the subject is. But what does this shadow of the object mean? What part of the object falls upon the ego, leading to the identification which constitute the cruel superego? This is what I will try to develop throughout this article. Klein was the pioneer in the study of the constitution of the cruel superego. I will not repeat what is already well known. I would just remember that her theory takes the subject's death drives into consideration, but not the object's unconscious, which is central to my argument. Ferenczi has not directly addressed the cruel super-ego, but in The Unwelcome Child and His Death Drive, he places the unconscious of the object at the center of the constitution, not only of the psyche, but of the death drive itself. In the same vein, Marta Cardoso advances the hypothesis that this superego is a psychotic enclave constituted by unconscious and therefore non-metabolizable aspects of the object. But… What are these unconscious aspects of the object? In answer to this question, I will now present my hypothesis on the constitution of the cruel superego. The non-metabolizable aspects of the object is related to its paranoid nucleus. The cruel superego is a specific psychotic nucleus that is assembled in the early ego of the child in reaction to the primary object's moments of paranoid functioning. At these moments, the object projects its own bad internal objects, his own beta elements, into the early ego. The child identifies with and incorporates these beta elements which will form the core of the cruel superego. This hypothesis is just the other side of the coin of the idealization of the baby described by Freud in Introduction to Narcissism. The tender feelings and the idealization with which the parents treat their baby are a result of the projection of their own idealized narcissism. The baby viewed as perfect, is loved by his parents. The other side of this coin is the projection onto the baby of the parent's bad internal objects. Viewed as bad by the paranoid aspect of the parental figure, the baby will be hated and thus attacked, not out of sadism which involves the due sense related to the suffering of another, but because the baby represents a threat to the parent's narcissism. This is, in my view, the shadow of the object. The internalization and identification to this hatred will form the core of the cruel superego. An everyday situation will help clarify these ideas. A young child runs through the living room and stumbles upon a vase, which breaks off. His mother yells at him, You are driving me mad! This is a micro-paranoid state. Why? Because for a few seconds she interprets the child's clumsiness as an attack aiming to destroy her and defends herself from this enemy by feeling like destroying him instead. Paranoid aspect of the mother cannot tolerate the subjectiveness of the child. Any sign of otherness will be hated and attacked. The child will feel that he, she is the evil, unworthy of love and should not exist and will identified with this with this self-representation. In other words, the child registers the murderous hatred coming from the paranoid nucleus of the parental figure. I call this an unconscious micro-wish of death. This is a very different situation in which the non-paranoid mother is aware of her feelings. She can say, I feel like I want to strangle this child. Instead of acting out... The mother is here able to represent her hatred, which is exactly why it is not hatred anymore, but mere anger. It is important to notice that, in the vase scene, there is not a third party to stop the mother, nor to tell them something like, Take it easy! He does not want to drive you mad! He was just clumsy! In the origin of the cruel superego, the third party is always absent, either by omission or by fear, and the child is left to fend for himself. Anyway, the next second, the mother pulls herself together and goes back to being the usual loving mother. She cannot even recall the violence with which she attacked the child in her micro-psychotic breakdown. But the child was terrified because his mother, on whom he is completely dependent, approached him with murderous impulses. Scenes like that can take place very far apart in time. But in some cases, they are constantly repeated, leaving deep impressions in the unconscious. The lengthier the paranoid nucleus of the adult, the more terrifying will be the child's superego. The above-mentioned hypothesis began to be outlined in a previous article. At the occasion, I maintained that... In the absence of the alpha function the primary object responds to some child's demands with projective identification of beta elements which are toxic and cannot be metabolized by the early ego i have termed them tanatic beta elements because, to defend its own narcissism, the parental psyche unconsciously attacks the child's narcissism with projective identifications. The accusatory formula that synthesizes this kind of attack could be framed as follows. It wasn't I who, it is you who, and I hate you for that. In the case of the vase, it wasn't I who left the vase in the wrong place. It is you who wants to drive me mad, and I hate you for that. This kind of accusation is due to the psychic limitation of the adult resulting from his paranoid nucleus. From his point of view, the projective identification is necessary and defensive, but from the child's point of view, this is experienced as a nameless dread. It is felt as psychic abuse because the adult is pushing the cost of his own limitations to the child. Due to the asymmetry of the relationship, the child cannot refuse the projective identification of beta elements. He will have to find a way to bear its cost somehow. We can call this Power abuse, because the adult is making a non consented use of the child's psyche. In my hypothesis, these are the unconscious, non-metabolized aspects of the objects that are at the origin of the psychotic nucleus we call cruel superego. This is the shadow of the object to which the child identifies with. This identification will then be acted out against the ego in the most terrible way. We all know how painful the self-hatred can be. In other words, the undigested emotional experience at the core of the cruel superego is the adult's projective identification. In the vase example, the child is the container of a hateful accusation which does not concern him, and there is not a third party who can save him from it. The full experience of power abuse includes not only the adult's hatred, not only the dread felt by the child. He or she will also feel this accusation as unfair, and will hate the adult for these undeserved tenetic motions. This whole experience cannot be metabolized. If for no other reason than because the adult, who normally helps the child to make sense of his experiences, is unable to acknowledge the violence and the dread he is himself producing in the child. As I said, the child has no choice but to bear the cost of the adult's paranoid defences. How? By sacrificing his own narcissism for the sake of the adult's narcissism. This is accomplished by means of two primary defences. First, identification with the aggressor. And second by the splitting of the terror involved in the experience. These defenses will constitute the psychotic nucleus we term cruel superego. Why is the superego cruel? Because it imposes an impossible condition to give his love to the ego. Since he does not tolerate otherness, he will require that the ego renounces His own being. He simply requires that the ego renounces to be himself, which is impossible. It is as though the superego told the ego, It is not I who cannot tolerate otherness. It is you who refuse to renounce it, and I hate you for that. As I said, the accusation is unfair, and we recognize a very common feature among paranoids extreme sensitivity to unfair situations, and the continuous fight for one's own rights. Now we understand that it is the right to exist that is is at stake. Nevertheless, it is crucial to acknowledge that if the superego makes such a cruel demand, it is because it has no empathy for the ego's needs and desires, which are seen as unacceptable and despicable weaknesses. By submitting to this injunction, the ego gets... Torn apart in trying not to have weaknesses, needs and desires, so as to finally deserve the love of the superego. This is, at my view, the origin of the unrealistic seek for perfection, which is always found in these patients. So now the question is why does the superego have no empathy for the other's needs? As I'm trying to show, this failure is a result of the object's paranoid nucleus. The lengthier it is, the more the mother will project her own bad objects into the child and the less she will be able to empathically identify with him or her. Instead of correctly interpreting the baby's needs, she reacts to them based on paranoid interpretations. From her point of view, the baby does not cry because he feels discomfort, but in order to tyrannize her. Furthermore, she sees the baby If she sees the baby as a tyrant, she will inevitably need to defend herself from his abuse. She stiffens and war and arm wrestles the baby. She resists and will not submit to his alleged tyranny. She demands from a child that he doesn't cry, not make any demands. In short, she demands from a child that she doesn't She's not a child anymore. The formula is there again. It is not I who am paranoid. It is you who are a greedy vampire and I hate you for it. The child is terrified and realizes that his demands produce a reaction of hatred in the object. But he is unable to make sense of this absurd experience. Obviously, this process is unconscious for the parental figure. He or she is unable to acknowledge the feeling of being threatened by the baby's subjectivity, nor the defensive attack on the early ego. That is why the parental figure is unable to help the child to metabolize his own tanatic messages. It is not too much to insist that such tenetic elements are defensively evacuated by a parental figure who, when, in a psychotic state, hallucinates the baby as being abusive and tyrannical, and that does not prevent him or her from being extremely loving and adequate most of the time. I would like now to summarize my conclusions by answering the questions I posed in the beginning of this article. How is the cruel superego constituted? By identification with unconscious, micro-wishes of death originating from the paranoid nucleus of the object in the absence of a third party who could stop it. Why is the cruel superego so hateful of the ego? Because, at its origin, the parental paranoid nucleus interprets certain demands of the child as a threat to his narcissistic integrity. What the superego cannot tolerate in the ego? It cannot tolerate the manifestations of its otherness. Because it does not have the psychic enzymes to metabolize what comes from another. Otherness is then experienced as traumatic. It produces, so to speak, psychic allergy. Why is the superego controlling and tyrannical? To stop the emergence of otherness, which is experienced as traumatic. What does the superego demand from the ego? It demands the ego to give an impossible proof of love, to fully submit to the injunction of not being. That is why it's so cruel. What is the trigger that sparks the ferocious attack of the superego against the ego? It is the ego's insistence in having a life of its own. This is interpreted by the superego as offense or betrayal. And this is the trigger for the unconscious micro-wishes of death against the ego. Why can't it empathize with the limitations and deficiencies of the ego? Because empathy towards oneself and thus towards another depends on the alpha function that the object cannot perform due to his paranoid nucleus.